making room for God is a really, really good choice to make in life. You and I all know people who haven't done that yet. And one of the things we're here for on planet Earth, once we discover Jesus and His love for us, is to enable other people to find Him. And God wants to make use of you. As you and I make room for Him, He's able to make room for others. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit this morning about lots of things, um, starting in John's Gospel. But one of the things that's really, really embedded in this message this morning is the importance of your story to God. Your story is incredibly important to God because it's your story. I can't live your story, but I can read about your story if you write it down, for example. I can actually journey with you through parts of your story and our, our stories can intersect from time to time. For my, in my life, I've got a permanent intersection because I'm married to Julie. And so our lives, even though we're individuals, there's a whole lot of intersecting of our story. But there's still a lot of our story that's just Bruce and Julie because we are two individuals. And so God is remarkable. And I want to say to you, as we come around our dreams and anointing of dream service this morning and our first fruits offering, I want you to become very, very aware and let the Holy Spirit just settle on you around your story. We even have a, that sort of throwaway line, what's your story? You know, what's, what's the story? Well, I want to ask you, what's your story? And uh, so anyway, I'll pray. We'll sit down and we'll get into this. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for beautiful worship together. And we've come this morning, Lord, to let our stories cross paths in this place. And Lord, I believe with all my heart that as we do that week in, week out as a congregation, as a church here and in Parkside and Henley Beach, in every church on the planet that proclaims Jesus Christ, you do something supernatural with our stories when they interact. Our relationships together are sacred to you. And I pray that we would never underestimate the power of our fellowship, never underestimate the power of your love in our fellowship. So watch over us and guide us today. Bless us as we come walking by faith with our dreams to be anointed a little later. And Lord, as we step out of the comfort zone to bring our first fruits offering for 2023, to say thank you, Lord, for your blessing in my story. In Jesus' name, amen. Tap your neighbour and say, I'm ready. And then have a seat. <laughs> thank you, guys. You can have a seat as well. We'll see you back here a little later. Well, as John uh, mentioned earlier on, we're actually launching out into um, the year with the theme sent. And uh, we're going to use and look through a number of different parts of the Bible this year. But we're starting actually 10 weeks, even though the Bible program's only six, we're actually for 10 weeks, right up until Easter. We're finishing Easter Sunday morning in John 21. So we've got 10 weeks till Easter, and we're going to be looking in John's Gospel the whole time through that. And so we're going to do a journey through uh, his understanding of Jesus' story. And so that's a good thing. But as we look in the Bible, it's oftentimes tempting to, I think I've used this phrase recently at church, is it's tempting to copy the practice. 
when God's really inviting us to understand the principle. He wants us to get hold of a principle that we put into practice in 2023 in Australia, in our context, or in Vicky's case, back in Czech next week. Wherever you've come from and wherever you're going, we're called to pick up the biblical principle and apply it in, in practice in our time and space. Um, Jesus, in uh, Mark 12, <laughs> digression, uh, there, don't put that up, don't go looking for it, Lockie. Um, he, he summed all that up, the whole thing of the principle of it. Because oftentimes we can read the New Testament and see Paul particularly makes lots of statements about do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that, you shouldn't do this, you couldn't do that. And some Christians over the years have got caught up in what I'd call legalism, and we sang about religion, and we can get caught up in that. I don't want to say to you that the safest and most authentic way to live out the gospel in the New Testament is, again, to not apply just it as a practice, but understand the principle behind a relationship. And, and Jesus himself summarised that by, he was asked the question, what's the most important commandment? And he actually went on to say, well, there's actually two. One is to love God, and the other one is to love people. End of story. And so the litmus test for us all in our relationships is, am I being loving? Am I actually demonstrating true, genuine, Christ-centred love to this other person or the people that I'm interacting with? And, and that's kind of the end of the rules in the New Testament. Nothing more, nothing less. Even though there's lots of things stated in reality, they are actually fruit of that teaching from Jesus. Anyway, I digress. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning... Sound familiar? Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning. John wants his readers, that you and me, to make absolutely no mistake. He's linking Jesus to God's eternal purpose. In fact, he goes on to say, not only that, that uh, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. First verse, he's making very clear that we're dealing with Jesus. Because um, he's going to go and reveal who he is in a moment. But we're dealing with the word that actually is God. It's like not with God and not God, but with God and actually is God. Um, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. What a remarkable little sentence. Everything that you and I can perceive of as a human being has been made through Christ. Not through an evolutionary process, not by swamp algae coming out, crawling out onto a rock and turning into a frog and turning into a... It's like, no, God actually created us through Jesus. It says, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. So John, the gospel writer John, is talking about now John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness. So John the Baptist was sent to witness and testify that Jesus is the one they, Jews, the people who lived in that part of the world that were interacting with him, he is the one they've been waiting for. And the problem is, they had to believe it. And as you know with the story as it goes on, some did and some didn't. So um, 
John in verse 23 of chapter 1, the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. He's standing on the authority of scripture to confirm who he is. Have you ever done that? Ever thought about who I am and what I am? Is there a verse or part of the biblical text on which I could stand and say, that's me? Maybe not as directly as John the Baptist because he's actually referred to as, he just quoted from the book of Isaiah. But the priests and Levites who asked him that question, they were sent by others to ask him who he is, would have immediately known the significance of his reference to Isaiah. He's actually inserting himself into the biblical narrative and saying, I'm that guy. Which they then would have known means he's actually come to declare the chosen one. And so John's going to great lengths in these first few verses, in this first chapter, to highlight the fact that Jesus, A, was around from the beginning, not plan B, that Jesus is the word and that Jesus is the one who John the Baptist was going to talk about. The point here for us this morning is that John was sent with a very specific mission. Announce and proclaim Jesus to those who were anticipating. And I want to say, taking notes this morning, there's three little points to this sermon. Number one, you, say me, I. No, me is bad language, a bad, bad English. I. That's better. You'd get up and correct me, wouldn't you, Vicky? Speak proper English, Bruce. I have a unique call. Say that. That's because you've got a unique story. Like it's not, some people can get a little bit twitchy around the idea of being called by God as if it's a little bit arrogant to say that, but it's no more arrogant than to say, I've got a story. You have got a story. You've got a story. I want to ask this question. Have you ever written it down? Have you written down your story from as your earliest memories? Maybe get some photos and look at when you were if you can, when you were born or when you were a little tacker. When my dad passed away at least 10 years ago, um, he, unbeknownst to us, had written his life story out before he died. And it made preparing a eulogy for his funeral such, such a blast, as in so easy to do. And I realised as I reflected on that in thinking about this message that you've got a story. And what's in it? Some of us have got incredible, adverse difficulties. Some of us have climbed literally mountains or over mountains. Some of us have travelled the world. Some of us have only moved a couple hundred kilometres from home and gone no further. Some of us have suffered broken relationships, crappy upbringing, dodgy parents, completely psychopathic school teachers. <laughs> and then we have to put up with the psychopathic politicians, but that's another story for another day. Anyway, just, just suffice, cut to the chase, Bruce, we've got a unique call. Okay. Um, But John has a unique story because in, some, in, in further dimensions because he's the one who actually gets to see Jesus. When you read from the book of Hebrews chapter 11, great classic chapter on faith, the writer of Hebrews goes to great lengths to 
So all these people, these incredible heroes of the Old Testament lived with the promise. They had a unique story too, but they did not see the promise. Sometimes we want our dreams to come to pass. I think I might have said this last year. Some of your dreams are meant to come to pass when you're no longer here. And some of your dreams will come to pass when you're not the one living it. One of your legacy, one of your maybe natural kids, but maybe one of your spiritual kids, one of the next door neighbours you reached out to, one of the people you had a random act of kindness for, those dreams will bring fruit forth for the kingdom when you're literally no longer a living, breathing human being, but with Christ in glory. So I want to ask you this question. Is there anything on your dream sheet, if you haven't filled it out yet, it'd be a good idea to write while I'm preaching, about what you're going to do for God this year? You might be dreaming about all sorts of things, but what are you dreaming about doing for God this year? Or maybe it's a better question to ask you, what are you dreaming of being for God this year? I'm going to be a nicer person. I'm going to be a generous person in 2023. I'm going to be more self-controlled. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go there. We, we can dream these things, write them down. We're going to anoint them a little later on. And as you consider what you'll do for God this year, what is it that you're dreaming that God will do for you? Because he likes to push into our world when we push into his world. That's the first point. Number two, let's just keep going. We're in chapter two now. On the third day, the wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Um, that's like when the grandkids come to you and say, I'm hungry. Is there a question? Right? Anyway, I digress. Um, and verse 4, this is Jesus talking to his mum, woman, why do you involve me? He replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. I want you to just pause for a moment with that. And think about this. God's got a plan for your life. And God's probably got lists for your life of things that he'd love to see you do, Mikarman. But I reckon this little story is evidence that God's actually pretty flexible. He's actually prepared to change his plans, even though the Bible says he changes not. Is it possible that he's actually more flexible with you and where you want to go than you are? He's actually quite flexible, even though he's got, let's just say, a long-term desire for you to end up with him in glory. And he's got maybe a picture that we find hard to get our head around that he can encapsulate all the variables at the same time because he's God. But within that, he's actually flexible. So the second point of this message is timing's important to God. Again, I'd say maybe some of your dreams, you've got a timeline where you think that could work. Well, God's got one as well when it will work. But this little story shows that God's willing to bend his timeline for you. He's willing, if you ask him, to. The Bible says elsewhere, you have not 
because you ask not. Some people talk about we are the sum of our decisions. I want to say to you that you might be today the sum of your askings. What have you asked God for that's really mattered? You could ask God for things that are a little insignificant if you're like me. I've done that before. What have you asked God for genuinely in faith? And God, can that happen? That's partly what a dream is. This dream sheet is an asking God, could that happen? Well, I'm going to put it on a paper, going to get it anointed, I'm going to believe. See what happens, see what God does. So time is important to God. We all live in a very time-conscious world. But time's not meant to rule over us. But then again, we are meant to use and understand its significance wisely. Its significance wisely. So God will use whatever is around you to prompt action if you're willing. And Jesus was willing. It's amazing that in that context, even though in the scheme of things his hour to be revealed as a miracle worker was not predetermined, his earthly mum just said, do what he says. And so he altered his plans. Because he was asked. Maybe you feel like your life's being corralled into a particular career or a particular relational context or a particular part of doing life in church or a particular financial stream. Or It's like, have you asked God if it's okay to change buses? Because wow. it probably is. Is it okay for God to bring the timeline forward 20 years? It possibly is. But it's not going to happen. My conjecture this morning is it's not going to happen if we don't ask him. So ask and you shall receive. Pretty simple, that's what he said. So timing's important to God, but he's flexible, is the second point. And then the last one is this. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. If you haven't memorised this verse, John 3, 16, by now, can I say you should have? Okay, just a little flick from Pastor Bruce. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And verse 17 needs to be read with it. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I want to say to you, my third point this morning, very quickly, is this. God has one agenda. Just one. He loves you. And he loves his creation. He loves us. He loves the world that he made. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. So the world we live in, with all the crazy stuff that's going on, with all of the potential for disaster, with different people's opinions about climate change, the environment, crazy despot leaders making mad and crazy decisions, governments corrupt, money going which way, people living in abject poverty and dying of starvation as I speak, people the top 1% of the people on the planet with regards to material wealth owning 99% of the, the wealth of the world. It's like that we, we live in this topsy-turvy, upside-down, crazy place called planet Earth, but we have a God, the God who made it, not to be like that, who's declaring loud and clear in John's Gospel, he so loved the world. So he loves you and your world. He loves you and your story. Whatever that story looks like to God, it's really, really important. But he goes on to have this conversation uh, before that or after that, I think it's before that, with this 
guy called Nicodemus and he has this conversation about needing to be born of the Spirit. And so having dreams like you're going to bring forward later on and having a sense of God's goodness surround you in spite of the tragedies and the difficulties and the challenges of being human. Jesus is saying that's not really possible to grasp that. That, that whole thing can't actually become a reality without being born of the Spirit. You've actually got to have an encounter with God in order for God's goodness to start to overshadow the darkness of life. Because, and the story starts, Jesus is the light of the world and the darkness can't put the light out. You've got to receive him in order to see him um, shining in the middle of your darkest moment. And some of you have got very, very dark moments that need his light in. And as his light shines in those places in our lives, his goodness begins to expand in it. Might not, well it can't, it never erases the story. It never removes the timeline that's already historical. But his light shines on it. His goodness begins to embrace you in it. And I didn't write this down, but I've, I've mentioned it already this morning. I'd love to encourage you in 2023 to write down your story. Warts and all. Because as we come to first fruits offering, in Deuteronomy chapter 26, the people of Israel, are, the, Jew, the Jews are instructed to bring a first fruits offering. When you have entered the land, the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it. Let me just rephrase that in 2020. When you are living your life, whatever you were born into, look at it as a gift that God's placed you in. You might, oh, that's a bit, uh, yeah, well, I've got some messy chapters in that. Well, that might be the case. Doesn't help to complain about that and not acknowledge God in it. It helps to maybe stop complaining about it or whinging about it and acknowledging maybe God has had all along a plan for me in that. And so when, when you stop and reflect on your lot in life, Deuteronomy 26 is saying, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land that your God is giving you and put them in a basket. We're actually going to have a basket down the front today. So the way our first fruits offering works is we actually get out of our seat. If you found one of these little slips, it's an offering slip, but you can put cash in, you can write an IOU, you can, you can throw in gold bullion if you want. All I'm saying to you is the Bible says bring your first fruits. It's actually a thanksgiving offering. It's acknowledging that from the last year since we received the first fruits offering, in the 12 months since, this is what God has done. He's actually blessed my life or whatever. It's like these, these incredible things. And you might reflect on previous year's dreams sheets and go, I wrote that down in, nine, in 2019 and all those things have happened. I'm coming out with a first fruits offering to say thank you, Jesus. It's a thanks offering. It really is a thanks offering. But what's embedded in this, so the instructions to bring this offering, take it to the temple and put it in front of the priest and then you are to declare before the Lord your God, listen to this, 
My father was a wandering Aramean and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there. This is the story of Israel. They are instructed to actually remember the story every time they come with the first fruit offering. I reckon it would be really cool to add into our dreams encounter, not that we share the story, but have you got, could you say something like that about your life? I was born on the 30th, Thursday, the 30th of January, 1958, at Largs Bay. First boy in the family, older sister. I was probably spoiled rotten by my grandparents. I don't know what your story you could put into it. I got beaten up by a little thug outside church in Semaphore Road when I was eight. I looked at him the wrong way. He was smoking, walking past. <laughs> said, g'day. He looked at me, what do you want? He said, nothing. Next thing I turned around, turned around looked in the window of this shop. Next thing, bang on the back of my head, this little punk punched my lights out. Tried to. So I crossed the road back to church crying. Said, my story. So to this day, I don't like, like little punks. Be a little punk, yeah. <laughs> but what's your story? Maybe something happened to you that you kind of, I've never told anybody that, and I'm not saying you need to tell anybody your story, but it's important that you actually own your story. Yeah. Found myself in the wrong place with the wrong people doing the wrong thing. That's been very kind of non-revealing, but you might have a specific example. Like you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's part of your story. Maybe you're a person who had a traumatic transformation before you, you, you lived life like this. Bang, you met Jesus, and now you're living life like that. It's like your story's one of radical change. Mine's not one of those. But my, it's my story, and your story is important to God. So as you come today, in a moment, in, a little, in five minutes or so, can I ask you, as you're standing and waiting to bring your dreams down to be anointed and bring your first fruits to the front, think about not only the last year, but think about your story. Think about the remarkable thing that God's done in your life. And if you know your life was literally ripped out of the pits of hell and you were put into a place of incredible blessing and or understanding of purpose, peace like you've never known, just that sense, that first love, that sense of, oh, I feel so clean. What an amazing moment. You need to write that down. Maybe even if you can remember when it was, where you were, who you were with, who led you to Jesus, who prayed for you. That's all part of your story. They're all incredibly important things to <coughs> contemplate as we come this morning. So can I ask you to stand here if we're going to pray? So we're going to get the team back up to play for us and they're going to sing with us. So this is an act of worship on the one hand, but it's an act of bringing your story to God. So you've got some anticipatory stories on your dream sheet. Anticipating God. Bring them. The way we're going to do, Julie and I and Amber and John are going to stand as four individuals across the front. And so any one of the four of us can pray with you. The basket will be down the front here, so bring your first fruits offering slip or cash or whatever you're doing. Drop that in the basket, but hang on to these. Okay, hold on to that. Then bring them across to us. Don't, don't give them to us. Just you hang on to it like this. 
And we will hang on to the other side of it, but we're going to have some anointing oil to put on to stain the paper to remind you that we prayed with you for your dreams, either individually or as a family. Hang on to that. We don't want you to give that to us. We don't want to see it. It's your story. And then you hang on to that, take it home, stick it in your Bible, put it on a magnet in your bedroom somewhere. Don't put it on the toilet door because other people will read it. It's none of their business. Um, Just um, keep it somewhere that you'll refer to it during the year. Maybe check in with God and say, hmm, I was thinking about family flourishing. How are they doing? Better pray harder, for example. So let me pray as we come in a moment. So Heavenly Father, I just give you thanks for this time. Thank you for John's gospel and John's story. Thank you for Jesus' story. Thank you that the Israelites as a nation had a story. And their story included a whole bunch of ups and downs and ins and outs. But at the end of the day, they lived in your promise. And Lord, I pray every one of us this morning would have the ability to sense afresh when your promises have touched us, when your promises have been revealed to us, when your promises, it's like, wow, God came through with that. And as we bring our dreams for 2023 to you, Lord, we pray that our faith would be anchored in this sacred moment with every person. And so I declare, Lord, this is very much sacred ground at the front of church right now. We pray for your hand to be on every person who's bringing an offering, a first fruits offering of thanksgiving. That that offering, Lord, would just switch life on to a whole new level for the days ahead. We thank you for your generous, loving, kind nature toward us. And we pray, Lord, that we'd walk in it more consciously every day into the future. In Jesus' name, amen.